Thanks. I needed that. You know why? Because there's a brother here. He's very dear to all of us who told me today that I'm, I come across as a very serious guy. And he's right. Um, and I wanted to kind of incorporate that today, um, kind of asking the question, what's the status of our faith? And are we serious about our faith? Because without faith, where would we be? And since this is kind of like the first official study that I've done in front of our church, uh, what better place to start than Genesis? Um, you can turn there and get ready. I kind of want to give a little bit of a introduction and kind of talk a little bit um, just about like current events and things that are going on all around us and the worship songs kind of pointed to that and um, Pastor Rob's message this morning pointed to that. We had a guest last week um, and his message pointed to just world events and the things that are going on around us and aren't these things um, potentially shaking us a little bit? I know they are me. Um, and I've been asking the Lord and praying to him for guidance and wisdom as to how to think and how to react to things that are going on. And I hope that you folks are too, that you're asking for the Lord's guidance. He's the source of everything we need, and he's the truth of everything we need. And without him, <laughs> we'd all be lost. And that's what the Bible tries to tell us. That's his word, and he's trying to tell us that. Um, honestly, I never thought in a thousand years I would be standing up here. <laughs> uh, I was saved in 2005 um, through a series of very uh, interesting circumstances. Um, but God proved himself faithful. I found out both of my parents were diagnosed with cancer within one month of each other in the spring of 2005. And ironically, or I should say by no coincidence, the Lord put a bunch of people around me through my work and friend circles who were saved. And I didn't know that. And they came forward um, when they found out that I was struggling with these circumstances. Uh, by the grace of God, they showed him through themselves to me and without that I wouldn't be standing here today talking to you so it's by his grace that we're saved and that's his faithful promise to us um, so Genesis is the first book of the Bible Genesis is a Greek word that is defined as origin and the Hebrew um, term for this is called Bereshith, which means in the beginning. So Genesis, as most of you probably already know, um, being the first book of the Bible kind of outlines um, the initial foundation of the Bible as well as God's plan. Um, it talks about how he created the universe, 
where um, mankind fits in to um, the, the world and God's plan. And it talks about sin, and it talks about our heart condition, and it actually also talks about God's plan to save us, too. So when you look at Genesis, and if you read it with, let's say, a secular perspective, you may not understand that. You may look at it as just a story and just, you know, a a rehashing of events maybe that took place. But, you know, some people want to dispute those things. Um, Again, going back to the... um, theme of what is the status of our faith if you don't have faith that God's word is true then sure you could be questioned by your friends your family um, and that's where I've um, experienced some challenges uh, with unsaved family members and actually I think that's been God's prompting me to try to understand him better to try to read more um, to, to pray more and to just seek him in everything I know. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to start here too is if the world is trying to come up with schemes, and we know by the world, I'm also talking about the enemy of our souls, um, the devil. Um, he is devising plans to just get our attention off of God and get our attention off of the, the truth that God wants us to know and wants us to rely on. And as Chris prayed, this is a day that is practically like Christmas or Resurrection Sunday for non-believers and for devil worshipers. I mean, they're celebrating just darkness without knowing that they're lost and their souls are lost. But this book and God has provided the answer how not to be lost and to secure your um, salvation and to secure a place with him in heaven for eternity and that's a beautiful gift and even though we don't deserve it our God is so gracious and loving that he freely gives it so Rather than dwelling on the darkness, I want to dwell on the light and God's goodness. And I hope that you folks um, will see um, more of God's light and be drawn to him even more um, as we go through this. So why don't we start? We'll start at Genesis 1, 1, and I'll read through it, and we'll see where we get to. I have a couple other reference passages that I'll share, too, and... See if this can make a little sense. So. so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. 
Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. I'll stop there for just a minute. So there's a pattern here. And I'll be honest, I guess it didn't dawn on me that... um, God works and weaves patterns and like geometry and mathematical things all together in his word. And I'm actually looking at this microphone going, that cover on there is a perfect geometric like arrangement of wire that just protects this microphone. And he made it so. <laughs> it's like through technology, I can talk to you, we can broadcast, um, there's just so many wonderful things, and being an engineer, uh, I guess, you know, the things that are articulate and, um, like, mesh together, such as gears and machinery and things like that, that work together, it just amazes me. And before being saved, I thought it was all man's doing. Like, we were putting things together, we were creating, and we were making all these great things. And thank God he enlightened me and taught me that he gives man every single idea that comes to our mind. And he allows us the mathematical understanding to be able to create these machines and these things that um, in many ways enhance our life here on earth. But yeah, what I also want to talk about is the simplicity of God's word. And when you go through here, he's simple and he's clear, but he's also being different. And what I mean by that is he's different from the world and what the world would have us to believe. The world and the systems, they're very complicated in some ways. Uh, Pastor Rob was talking this morning about Bitcoin and crypto. Um, There's a lot behind that. It's not like you just hand a person a dollar bill and then you're done with the transaction. There's electronics and, you know, waves and wires and all sorts of things, or even the cloud. I'm no expert at any of that, and that just baffles me. Honestly, I would prefer to give somebody change and give them a dollar and pay for things that way. (laughs) But the world is changing very fast, and that's what we're seeing all around us. And to me, what seems to be bothersome is people are accepting it and it's very easy Um, and when you accept it you're really not being different you're sort of going along with the crowd and going along with what is sort of 
the accepted normal, and yet, as many of you probably know, when you talk to people about the Bible and what God's Word is and what it means to you, they look at you funny, wonder why you're accepting this, you know, and, and as if it doesn't mean anything to them. And unfortunately, that is the truth. It may not mean things to them because depending on their age, they've grown up where God is out of schools. He's been taken out of normal talk in society. Um, relatives who are, you know, have passed, who may have had some faith, they don't have influence on their children anymore or on the families anymore. And I believe that's what God's calling us to do is to be um, more secure in our faith. He's calling me to do that. And I think that's why I'm standing here right now because uh, I'm definitely not a public speaker, but he's challenged me to be able to stand for him and for my faith. And so here I am. <laughs> okay, so I think we're at verse 13, which I should have read after 12. So the evening and morning were the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament, I'm sorry, I'm botching that word, <laughs> firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and it was so then God made two great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night he made the stars also God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to their kind. And God saw that was, it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So... What I found interesting about these couple passages was it speaks about the types and the kinds of living things and that they were all according to their kind. And that's special. Um, you can't have you know, the interaction between a dog and a cat and have some new being miraculously appear God have, God has ordered everything and he's ordered everything according to kinds and as been has been spoken about here from the pulpit before um, relating to the gender identity issue it's just a challenge to me um, you know in God I've been created as a man and we have women here and we have other men here and we all know who we are um, and I appreciated what Pastor said this morning about um, 
how in our developmental stages we're very um, susceptible to ideas and to um, people's opinions and our emotions are just running crazy sometimes when we're uh, teens in puberty. And yet, that's all part of the developmental process. God made us to have to go through some of these things as he does every day, every year of our lives, um, just to kind of strengthen us up and to build us up. And isn't it so like us as a society to kind of rush in and give, try to give like an answer, like an immediate answer? Our society is so prone to getting things so quickly. I'll admit, I like fast food, um, so I love drive-through and getting coffee and stuff like that. And that's an example of, you know, well, we, can, we have an answer. Now you don't have to cook. You can just stop through the drive-through and buy whatever you want. But is it good for you? Maybe not, right? We need to have kind of a governor on what our actions are. And without a governor, we can do things that are just not profitable. And the Bible speaks about that too, about how you know the Spirit works in us to kind of check us and to kind of guide us and give us a better understanding of the direction we're going. That is when we're willing to listen and submit ourselves to his voice, which usually is pretty small. He's not going to try to hit us over a ham over the head with a hammer to get us to get our attention. Sometimes he does. Um, as I related earlier, um, when I was saved, he really he had to use some drastic circumstances and kind of rock my world a little bit to get my attention. So he does that with certain people, but it's not the same for everybody. And that's what's really great about him that he works with us as individuals and speaks to us individually and treats us with dignity and respect where our society today, I don't know about you, but to try to tell someone that they're different or try to encourage them that they're, let me see if I can phrase this, that they're different than the gender that God created them and it's okay to let's say, entertain those ideas, I don't think that's respectful. You're already taking out... It's not respectful to them, and it's not respect... respect uh, yeah, it's not showing respect to our Lord, because if we believe that our Lord is sovereign and he created everything, which, again, is the beginning foundation, um, you're pretty much just throwing everything out that he proclaims as being true. Okay, so verse 24. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. This is the great part now. Then God said, let us, and that's a capital U in my Bible. That means the Trinity. 
And that means that right from there, we can infer that God had a relationship with other beings. Well, who were they? They were the Spirit, and they were Jesus. And it just speaks of like a total intimate communication that I can't even fathom. I get a glimpse of it because of this passage and because of other passages in the Bible, but I just can't imagine how from where we read chapter 1, verse 1, to hear that they were unified in their thinking and in their approach to how the universe was going to be set up. Um, they were already communicating and intimately familiar with what the overall plan was going to be. Um, it just blows my mind. <laughs> so then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And again, those are capitalized. And God is holy and all... You know, the Spirit is holy and Jesus is holy. And all they ask is that we respect them and um, revere them, not in a tyrannical way, but in a loving way, um, to accept the fact that we've been afforded so much just by his grace. So according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. And said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. So if you notice here, um, everything is new, and everything is pure, and there's no sin. There's no need for a sacrifice here yet. There's no need for blood to be shed to cover our sins. I just often wonder, you know, we have a a glimpse of what creation is because we look at it every day, but I can't imagine what it is or what it was before um, sin entered in. It must have been beautiful, like all different colors, and maybe there were no there were no uh, well there was no death, no. Um, changing of seasons and um, I just can't imagine that it just that blows my mind too um, okay so verse 31 and God said everything 
that he had made. And indeed, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So I'll carry over into chapter 2 a little bit just so that we can get to the seventh. So thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Uh, to me, this is so awesome. He like lays out the whole week, so Monday through Sunday, and he shows that uh, he had a purpose. Like every day, he picked something um, special to do, yet it was simple. And here in the Word, um, to me, it's very clear that his purpose was every day he had a specific task, and he just followed through with it but then on the seventh day he rested and he didn't rest because he was tired he just rested because he had completed everything that he wanted to do and that's just the truth uh, when God does something it is good and that's repeated here a lot and it's repeated here so that would sink into us I know I have to have things repeated to me a lot Otherwise, I don't remember them. Or I take out my phone and I type it in in the memos or I set my calendar or whatever. So um, praise the Lord for technology. <laughs> uh, so um, I wanted to give uh, go through a couple of texts that um, sort of support the, uh, the creation account. And again, it's an account. Um, I touched on it earlier. Some people would dispute it. Some people um, would tend to want to think that um, there were different time frames and different um, things that happened and time spans and such. But um, I believe God is calling us to believe this as a daily account, a factual account each day. So... Um, let's go to, I'll try not to jump too much. I only have like three or four passages. Let's go to Psalm 90. So I think what I've been trying to get across here is there's a lot of wisdom in Genesis, and it's all there for the taking. And to be able to absorb what God is telling us will strengthen our faith. And here in Psalm 90, um, the title in, my, in this Bible version says, The Eternity of God and Man's Frailty. And this is a prayer of Moses, who is a man of God. So verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all the generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past. 
And like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And that's the verse I wanted to get to. Time is short. Um, Our pastors here teach us that. There's so much um, corroborating scripture in the Bible that tells us that. So as we live here, who better to put our faith and our trust in and to rely on than God and Jesus and to ask them to help us to walk by his spirit. Um, it's just a, it's, it's a free blessing and a free gift. Uh, when we ask, he tells us that we will receive according to his will and according to his purpose. Um, The second one that I wanted to look at is Proverbs. And we'll go to chapter 1 and we'll skip over parts of it and go to chapter 2. So if you'd turn there too, please. I think what I'm looking to get across here is what I mentioned earlier, the simple, clear, and different concept. Um, Wisdom can be very simple, uh, and when it's bolstered by truth, it is very simple, and it's very easy to accept. But knowledge as the word says, puffs us up. Knowledge is not the same as wisdom. It could be an understanding of something, but it may not be an intimate understanding. And God is trying to get us into an intimate relationship with him. And the only way we're going to be able to have that intimacy is to gain the wisdom. And that's what um, David was trying, or I'm sorry, yeah, (laughs) what Solomon was writing here. Um, in Proverbs 1. So let's look at it. So from verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion, A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so what I think of when I read verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. It sort of brings to mind a handful of scientists who are trying to push ideas that the earth is billions of years old and the universe is billions of years old and all the things that we see around us are billions of years old which completely contradicts what scripture teaches and there are scientists out there that have run experiments on rocks and They've studied the earth, and they've studied the processes of the earth. And the way that their scientific method works, they've come up with a far younger earth. And the scientific method in general is you have to be able to observe. You can set up experiments, but you have to be able to observe the results and the funny thing is, is can we create another Earth to observe what actually happened and how it was made? And I, my personal answer to that question is, I don't know how to create another Earth. God does. I don't. And so, honestly, I can't observe. If I tried to set up an experiment, I can't observe it from the very beginning. So right away, I have to make assumptions and perhaps my assumptions would be flawed. It depends on my perspective. So again, I, you know, speaking for myself, the, the Lord has been asking me to be careful about my perspective and to understand um, whether or not I'm looking at things from a godly perspective or a worldly perspective. And I think that's really important. If our mindset is in... Um, is in a godly position and we ask God to reveal things to us and to help us understand um, he will and it'll make us more cautious about perhaps just accepting things that are told to us especially from the media um, so I said I wanted to skip to two a little bit so um Let's look at Yeah, let's just start at 2 verse 1. So Proverbs 2 verse 1. My son and uh ladies don't think that he isn't speaking to you too. I mean, he was speaking to his son literally, but um God our Father is also speaking to all of us, brothers and sisters. So, my son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. 
He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. I mean, that is just awesome. I mean, he's providing us answers here. Like, if we just trust him, he'll protect our hearts. He'll guard our hearts, our minds, our ears, which is also talked about in other areas of Scripture. Um, Ephesians has the armor of God, the passage in chapter 5 or chapter 6. It's like there is some action that is required of us, that he requires of us, but if you look at it at its base level, it's simple. Like get in the word, um, pray, and include yourself in fellowship, and this should sound familiar, this is Acts 2.42, and just continue, you know, to seek him and to, to stay engaged. I skipped one. I went ahead of myself. <laughs> I have little tabs on my Bible, and I just realized I missed one. Um, <laughs> so let's, uh, let's go to John 1 please <laughs> actually I guess I didn't thank you so Lord so he's talking to me right now um so I talked about wisdom in the, in, in the passages that we, we read here. And actually, he, I wanted to show that John, um, it seems like he really caught on. I mean, granted, he had the benefit of walking with the Lord in person, which we, didn't, we don't have, but we have his spirit to walk with. But to walk with someone in person and to have a mentor is... A really good experience especially someone that really has your best interests at heart and let's rest assured that our Lord has our best interests at heart and I believe John understood that so in John 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God so the word God here as I understand it, is Elohim, which is a plural. So we should um, try to, you know, envision that it wasn't only God that was there, it was also Jesus and the Spirit. And this is just kind of a proof text for what Moses wrote in Genesis. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and this is John talking about Jesus, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And Comprehend here means overcome, so it means that Light is stronger than dark. 
And if we stick with the beginning foundation that God is laying out for us here in the word, starting right from Genesis, then darkness won't overcome the light in our hearts and in our minds. If we continue to feed ourselves God's word and feed on his truths, then we're putting us in a, ourselves in a better position to be able to withstand everything that's coming at us these days. Let's skip down to verse 14. John 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh, that's Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared him. And so that speaks to Jesus making God known and revealing God to us. Um, which is in Revelation. Can't go there because I don't, <laughs> we can't spend too much time. But um, let's go now to um, 1 John 1, which is really kind of an emphasis or re emphasis of John 1. And again, that's kind of what I'm interpreting God to be saying. He's like repeating these things. In the beginning, in the beginning, he saw that it was good. He made it so. It just seems so simple to stand on these truths, and he's just laying it out for us freely. It just you know, resonates with me that I need to be careful not to look to others, not to try to look at, you know, wisdom from the world and to, again, turn my focus onto God and his word. So let's start at 1 John 1, one. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So on to verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. That is like the whole basis of salvation. Accepting the Lord Jesus in your heart, confessing him with your mouth, and just believing and trusting that his shed blood took our penalty but satisfied God the Father. And we're having communion tonight in a little bit. And I just believe on tonight that's important to show our Father that we trust him, we honor him, and by those elements, they're not, you know, the body and blood literally of Jesus, thank God, um, but they are tokens of what he represents to us, the body and his blood, his resurrected body, which is not in the grave, which is proof that he was who he was and that he is supreme deity. And I myself um, sometimes have a hard time with that. Um, you know, going to college and spending all that money to get an education to get a job, um, it's kind of hard to kind of shake loose of the bonds of, um, you know, the, the intellectual community, let's say. And yet, here in this book, the Bible, we have so much more wisdom than what the world could ever offer and what a college degree could ever offer because this is for eternity. And this shows us the way that when this world ends and our physical lives end and our physical bodies perish, we'll be with Jesus. But the simple thing is, is it's just faith in what he's done and accepting that. And that's hard for us because as humans, we, we've been brought up to think that, well, if you did something for me, I have to do something for you. And there's always some sort of a transaction and a payback. Well, that's not God. In his grace and his love, he doesn't expect that other than our love and admiration. Um, let me go, let's go one more place, I think. I have two more, but I think we're only going to do one more. Um, let's go to First Peter. <clears throat> and 
And I think what this First Peter passage um, shows us is that what we handle in God's word, when we handle the word, when we chew on it, when we study it, we're studying Jesus and we're, we're getting closer and more intimate with him. And it's a precious relationship. And Pastor Rob talked about that this morning, about how um, relationally we need to be careful to spend time with our families, our friends, our church family too. When we're together, we can encourage one another, we can strengthen each other up, build each other up. But more importantly, when we get together, we're honoring God. We're actually taking a stand when we enter into this house. If we say this is his house and we don't get together, then are we actually practicing what we preach? No. So, praise the Lord, we're here. The doors are open. Um, you know, the Lord is just waiting for us to be willing to hear from him and willing to accept uh, that we don't have all the answers. And he delights in knowing that those of us that have open hearts are willing to seek him for the answers. So let's um, read out of First Peter. Um, let's go to verse 3. I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 1. Thank you. <laughs> so Peter writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that's exactly what we're going to celebrate tonight with communion. His resurrection. His everlasting life. We need to put our faith on that and trust him. So verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. And that reminded me of what we're going through today. And what our pastors continue to talk about is, um, you know, the darkness in the world. Will it grieve us? Yes. But should it overcome us? No, because we have the Lord. The Lord is our strength and he's our salvation. He's our king. He's going to come back on a mighty but beautiful white horse. I can't wait for that day. So verse 7 that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, even gold, see, in the word, it says gold will perish. Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible, and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls.
Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. And as our pastors have taught us here before, we have a very special place in the hierarchy that God has arranged. Even angels don't have the benefit of the, the relationship that we have with Jesus. And that should make us take pause for a minute. I mean, they are at his beck and call, so to speak. They serve him. But the heart is where we and where he cultivate that relationship with him. So verse 13, Therefore, gird up, the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay, here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but, and this is where I'll close, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So what he did for us, sacrificing his blood as a lamb, just going to the slaughter. He didn't challenge the authorities. There was a purpose in God's plan. Jesus just went along with his father's plan. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I could do that. But in the spirit and with the spirit who settles our hearts and comforts us and guides us, we can do anything that the Father asks. And I'm very thankful that um, he has allowed me an understanding of who he is and allowed my heart to be soft enough to accept that gift of salvation. And honestly, if there is anybody here, I know all of you pretty much. Um, but... By God's grace, we don't know each other's hearts. And if any of you has any doubt about it, you can go before the Lord right now, tonight, and ask for forgiveness and ask for wisdom and understanding. It's simple, it's clear, and it is different compared to the world. But again, the world doesn't have the answers. Jesus has the answer. And he is the answer. And he's the way to have eternal life and to put off the cares of this day.
and to rejoice because in him is joy forevermore. So I'll ask Chris to come up and do the last song. And um, while he's um, singing, please come up and take the elements. Um, take them back to your seat. And after he's done, we'll, we'll break bread and we'll honor our Lord together. So by taking this bread and this cup, we're acknowledging that God had a perfect plan for us. And in this, he recognizes our sin. He understands that we're human and that we are going to be drawn away like sheep. But he is giving us the ability to accept him as our shepherd and our Savior and our Lord. And I just thank him for that gift and pray that all of us would maybe stop and pause, myself included, this week and just remember everything he has done, what he is doing today, and what he's going to do for us tomorrow. So let's partake. So let's pray and close out. Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for today, for waking us up, for giving us breath, for setting plans before us. Thank you, Lord, that we can see you in each other. We can see you in your creation and every created plant, every created being, every animal. You're all around us, Lord, and we just thank you so much for showing us some of your glory here. We can't wait to be in glory with you where we can experience complete, full joy with you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for shedding your blood, for covering us. Thank you, Lord, for stirring our hearts, even to want to come out tonight. Father, please protect the helpless. Please protect those that are persecuted. Lord, we ask you to block the schemes of the enemy. We thank you that you are victorious. And Lord, we just want to be found in you. We look forward to the day that you're coming back. And until then, Lord, help us to abide in you. We praise you and thank you, Jesus. Amen.